Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. Before the Lord, the whole universe is as a grain from a balance or a drop of morning dew come down upon the earth. But you have mercy on all, because you can do all things. And you overlook people's sins, that they may repent. For you love all things that are, and loathe nothing that you have made. For what you hated, you would not have fashioned. And how could a thing remain unless you willed it, or be preserved, had it not been called forth by you? But you spare all things, because they are yours, O Lord and lover of souls. For your imperishable spirit is in all things. Therefore you rebuke offenders, little by little, warn them, and remind them of the sins they are committing, that they may abandon their wickedness, and believe in you, O Lord. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will extol you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise your name. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all, and compassionate toward all his works. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom, and speak of your might. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is faithful in all his words, and holy in all his works. The Lord lifts up all who are falling, and raises up all who are bowed down. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and powerfully bring to fulfillment every good purpose and every effort of faith, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, in accord with the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, brothers and sisters, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling with him, not to be shaken out of your mind suddenly or to be alarmed, either by a spirit or by an oral statement or by a letter allegedly from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is at hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. The word of the Lord lasts forever. What is this word that is living? He has brought us to his Son, Jesus Christ. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus indeed comes still every day to seek and save what was lost, what would have been lost, destroyed, utterly separated from God, were it not for His act of love and intervention. Now the first reading told us that unless God had already loved us, in fact He loved you and me from all eternity, He loved you, He knew you, He knew your name, He saw your face, from as long as He has been God, unless that were true, you wouldn't be here right now. So the very fact of our existence is a sign of God's love. Somebody, some people say, well, how do I know God loves me? Well, do you exist? If you exist, He loves you, otherwise you would, you would not exist. This is what the first reading is saying. God doesn't create things that He hates. He create th creates things that He loves. So yes, He loves us, but we're capable of destroying ourselves by our covenant with sin, by our con constant adherence to sin. That's what destroys us. It's not that God wants to destroy us, but if we separate ourselves from Him, we have nothing left. So what would have been lost had that same love that created us not decided to intervene to save us, what would have been lost is now saved in and only in 
Jesus Christ. He's the only Savior. Let's not fool around about that. Some people trying to say all different religions are equal. No, all people are equal. But not, not religions. Doesn't mean people of other religions should be looked down on. See, again, that's not what we're saying. But not all religions, not all saviors are equal. There's only one path back to the Father. And that path is a person, and that person has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Uh, he came to seek and save what was lost. Now, brothers and sisters, we are lost because of our sins. So the very love that created and saves us urges us to repent. Now look at how the first reading, and we'll get to the gospel as well, showing the same thing, illustrates this. And he says it in a, in a, in a way that, that we ought to remember so that we can correct some very common errors out there about religion and salvation and Jesus. It says here, you overlook people's sins, you love all things. Well, people easily remember those parts of, of readings like this. Oh, yeah, he overlooks our sin. God will understand. How many times do you hear people say, God will understand? Sometimes we may be tempted to say it ourselves when we're about to sin. I've seen it in, in, out in front of abortion facilities. You're standing there, somebody's going in to have her baby killed. Oh, God will understand. God will understand. Yeah, he'll understand how wrong it is what you're about to do. And he'll understand how what you're about to do is going to destroy you. That's what he understands. Oh, God will understand. But listen to what the reading actually says. You overlook people's sins. You have mercy on all. You love all. You overlook people's sins that they may repent. Oh. Oh, forgot about those four words that they may repent. He goes on later in the very same passage, you rebuke offenders. But he says little by little. God is gentle. God is, is gradual. You rebuke offenders little by little. You want to discourage them. A bruised reed he shall not break. A smoldering wick he shall not quench. Remember that part of the prophecy of Jesus coming. He doesn't come in like a bull in a china shop. But you warn them, you warn them, you remind them. Isn't that an interesting word? He reminds us of our sins. This is one of the whole things Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, right? He would come, he will convict you of sin. He reminds us because we sin and then we forget that we sinned. Oh, I'm a good person. It's like one time I was giving out ashes, you know, Pierce gives out ashes, he says, turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. So I had actually somebody say to me when they were receiving the ashes, oh, I have no sins. Yeah, well, <laughs> you forgot. He reminds us of our sins. That's why we constantly have to be reading the Word, right? We have to constantly be reading the Scriptures. It'll remind us. We constantly pray. It'll remind us of our sins. We have to constantly examine our conscience. So He reminds, He rebukes, He wants us to repent. Why? Because He loves us. And the fact that He loves us doesn't excuse us from sin. The fact that He loves us makes it all the more urgent to repent of sin and makes Him all the more urgently remind us to repent. Why? Because the sin is going to destroy us. 
What you hated, you would not have created. I was giving a pro-life talk and on one occasion when uh, there were protesters outside the banquet hall where I was giving the speech and as we were walking in, the pro-abortion protesters yelled out at me and the other pro-life leaders, why do you hate us? So when I began my talk, I addressed that question and I said, we do not hate you. If we hated you, we would leave you alone. And we would let the things you're believing in and doing destroy you. And God could say the same thing. If I hated you, <laughs> just leave you on your own and you'd destroy yourself. But no, he intervened. He came to seek and save what was lost. Don't let anybody say, oh, well, he overlooks everybody's sins. Yeah, he overlooks your sins, that you may repent. In other words, he's not letting your sins completely destroy you right now at this moment, completely separate you from that God who loves you and whose love is keeping you in existence. He doesn't let your sins today completely annihilate you. That's what it means, that he overlooks people's sins. Not that he justifies them or gives people permission to continue doing them. And then the beautiful story of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Now you realize what that means, right? The people of Jesus' time, they looked at tax collectors in the same category as murderers and adulterers. Because first of all, they were working for the enemy, right? They were working for the occupying government. And secondly, they extorted people. The people didn't know. It's not like today. Oh, let's look up on the, uh, you know, online, you know, how much exactly we owe. The, the people had no idea how much money the government had to, to, to tax them with. They had absolutely no idea. They were completely at the mercy of the tax collector who, of course, would go and collect a whole lot more money than the Romans were asking for. Tax collector would line his own pocket with it. That's why you hear Zacchaeus and Jesus, and you see what happens here? Again, consistent with what we were just reflecting on in the first reading. Jesus reaches out to Zacchaeus. I have come to seek and save what was lost. Reaches out to him. And just by that act of reaching out to him, he doesn't even say anything except I want to stay at your house. And right away, Zacchaeus is brought to a, brought to a point of repentance. Active repentance and, rest, and, and, and restoration, reparation. He says, I'm going to give back to the poor. Whatever I've extorted, I'm going to give back not just what I owe them, not just twice, not just three times, but four times as much. Generous repentance, generous reparation. Salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus, not only was he considered a sinner, and the people who saw Jesus go to his house criticized Jesus for that. Oh, he's going to eat with a sinner. Well, we know Jesus' response to that on another occasion when he was eating with other tax collectors and sinners. He said, hey, I have come to, for the sick, not the healthy. Notice again, he calls them sick. He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, don't worry about their sin. You shouldn't worry about it. They shouldn't worry about it. Oh, yeah, they should. He calls them sick people, but he says, I've come to, to heal them. But notice what Jesus does, because this is another pattern of his whole ministry. He breaks down the false barriers that society puts up between people. 
And this is what we, his body in the world today, must do. We must see the goodness of the person. I've told you before the story of when I spent a week with Mother Teresa in Calcutta at the beginning of my Priest for Life ministry, how she brought me to the home where they take in the prostitutes there. And, and, and she was picking up the blankets that these women had made while they were staying with Mother Teresa and her sisters. And Mother Teresa's face was so glowing with joy and gratitude. She said, Father, look how beautiful these blankets that these women made. She saw the goodness in the sinner, not in the sin, but in the sinner. And she brought out, she, was, she managed to, to call out that goodness, that generosity, just like Jesus did with Zacchaeus here, just like he does with you and me. And Jesus paid no attention to the criticism of those who wanted to keep enforcing these barriers Ah, uh, we don't we don't eat with the tax collectors. We don't get together with the sinners. What else? What else did he, did you see? He 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 did this. Well, remember Bartimaeus, the blind man. The crowd was shouting out to him, "Be quiet! Be quiet!" Because he was yelling, "Son of David, have pity on me!" And Jesus walked up to him, ignored those that were trying to put up the walls, put up the division. No, what do you want me to do for you? He went over to him and he healed him and he let him see once again. What about the Samaritan woman? His apostles returned and saw him speaking to a Samaritan and to a woman. This was unheard of to be done in public at that time. On both counts, a woman and a Samaritan. Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans, but no, Jesus broke through those false barriers. What did he do with um, the, uh, the Gentiles? Right? He reached out with the gift of faith even to the Gentiles, despite the anger of the Jews. And then, of course, the lepers. They had to go around ringing a bell and yelling, unclean, unclean, to enforce the separation between them and the rest of society. And Jesus went right over to them, touched them, healed them. And then how can we forget the children? People were bringing children to Jesus that he might bless them. And the apostles saw it. The apostles themselves fell into this trap and said, no, 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 no. Leave him alone. Get the children out of here. They're a nuisance. And Jesus rebuked them. No, let the children come to me. And he embraced them and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. Breaking down the false barriers. And so Paul, therefore, proclaiming the gospel of Christ, will be able to say that in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, man or woman. The distinctions, yes, of course, the distinctions are there. But what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying, with each of these categories of people, we see first, not the category, we see first the person, and we see God's unconditional love for the person, and we see the salvation. He came to seek and save what was lost. We see the calling, the high calling they have in Christ, and we do what? We do what God does. We welcome them. We welcome every person. And so just as these distinctions 
between the Jews and the Samaritans, the Jews and the Gentiles, the tax collectors and sinners versus the observers of the law, the adults versus the children, the lepers versus the healthy, man and woman, slave and free, we stand up today and we cry out and we come against the false distinction between born and unborn. And we see the person of the child in the womb. And we call for the full protection everywhere and at every stage of that child in the womb because the distinction being made there that one is a person and one isn't that one is possessing of constitutional rights and one isn't, that one must be protected and the other can be destroyed, is a false distinction that we must come against both in word and in deed and oppose with all our being and with the full weight and glory of the Word of God. That there is no distinction here in Jesus Christ. There is no distinction here in God. These are persons. These are our brothers and sisters. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus, come down. We say to every sinner, come to us. We say to every slave, we say to every poor person, we say to every small and sick person, we say to the unborn children, come! We must stay at your house today. We must stay with you. Because you are loved and made and saved by the same God that loves, makes, and saves us. And you have the same dignity. You have the same call. And we have the same joy in being with you as in being with anyone else. Let's show forth this love and salvation of the one who came to seek and save what was lost, including us, of the one who brings us his forgiveness, of the one who brings us life everlasting. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.